Welcome to The Academic Citizen, a podcast about critical issues in higher education. The podcast is sponsored by ASAU, the Academic Staff Association based at Wits University, Johannesburg, South Africa. Our podcast engages with issues about university life relevant to students and staff looking in South Africa, Africa and beyond. In each episode, we speak to a guest who has special insight or expertise in a particular area. My name is Nosipum Gomez-Rulu. And I'm Kolega Shange. And, and we're your hosts. Well, I do not believe that science can be decolonized. First of all, because personally, for me, science is not... It's not a product of, of one civilization, of, of, of a certain culture that can be uh, decolonized. I mean, science, there are contributions of other civilizations in science. Take, for example, in, in medicine. So if you're talking about decolonizing science, what exactly is that? The basis of science, they, they remain basically the same, regardless of the culture, regardless of the perspective that one comes from. Science, it's... it's it deals with empirical fact. It deals with fact that can be measured, that can be tested and proven. So it, it, regardless of which culture, of which background that you come from, science remains science. So it cannot be decolonized. Welcome to this week's episode of The Academic Citizen. Today I'm having a conversation with Tom Figile Paliso, who's a scientist at a research institution re- responsible for the family, AZOAC. Her focus and responsibilities are the overall scientific curation and management of the collection within the institution. 45% of her time is dedicated to research within the group, which involves systematic and conservation research. Sourcing external funds, collaborations, scientific compilation, fieldwork, and mentorship are also key parts of her job. For her master's in science degree at Rose University, her thesis was on the molecular systematic study of the genus Bacchaea and its allies. Welcome to the show, Dom Figile Paliso. That was a long, long bio. <laughs> Hi, colleague. Hi. I'm so sorry about that. Are you okay? Are you I'm okay? all right. It's also scientific. Yo. Okay. I need to catch my breath there. So, scientist, what does that mean? I, you know, I think I don't know anymore, but um, it's literally on my job description. So, when people ask, what, what do you do? That's really the only answer that I have. But essentially, I'm a researcher. And um, as you read in the bio, all my research is based on systematic studies for the most part, which is basically understanding taxonomy, understanding uh, the genetics of organisms, uh, mainly plants in my case. And yeah, so that's what scientist means. And I guess the degrees in science mean kind of a scientist, yeah. Yeah. So without trivializing what you do, because I think because I'm in the arts, I don't quite have access to this world and this is what the conversation is about today actually because it is about decolonizing science so you are being interviewed by someone who has no idea what you are talking about when you're talking about taxonomy and but i do understand the value of plants Mm. you are studying plants and their value in society i imagine something like that Okay. Why am I having such difficulty understanding what it is that you do? So there's this 
the study of Jenna's Bekea, I had uh, to say Azoasi. I mean, what what's going on in the sciences? I think, yeah, I think what you said is so very important um, when you mentioned access. You don't have access, you know, to the scientific world. And I think the language has been such a major barrier for many people that I've sort of worked with, spoken to, and uh, interacted with who aren't in the field or who are trying to come into the field. A lot of the words and the language is based on old school sort of Latin, young Latin, and a lot of it isn't intuitive or it isn't as, you know, simple and straightforward as um, it would have been for people back then, back in the day. There's a lot of sort of wrapping your head around the language in the beginning. You know, and as you progress in your career or in your studies, you start to realize, okay, this is what it is that I need to master in some senses to sort of push forward. And I don't think the public really is exposed to too many other fields that are so focused on, you know, the Latin and the old school language that is typically used in in a lot of the scientific or taxonomic work that we do. You know, as you're talking, I'm thinking Latin. I'm thinking, okay, we are on the African continent Uh and you're learning in Latin. Like, I'm so confused. Is that a conversation in in the sciences? Why are we learning these words in Latin? What the problem is with that, it is a conversation, and there's an example I'd like to highlight for you a little bit later. There is starting to, um, we are starting to have conversations about, okay, why are we doing things this way? I'll give you an example. If I were to discover a species tomorrow, previously the expectation was that I would have to write my description of the species in Latin. Yeah. Using only Latin text, using, you know, every, every descriptive element that I put into that description needed to be in Latin, and that's the only way it would have been accepted. And I promise you, I think it was about four or five years ago, so this is not very long ago this whole notion was then you know scrapped for the first time ever and suddenly I could write you know a a species description or um, any kind of description or do a whole review of a plant group without it having to be in Latin for it to be accepted you know so there have been very minor changes but these are on a global scale Mm -hmm. in South Africa we saw are struggling because I mean we do you do have sort of the right to name a species after your grandmother or yourself if you're that vain or whatever (laughs) but you still have to stay within the confines of the whole the nomenclature process and by Mm -hmm. nomenclature I mean the the process of naming something because it needs to be related to uh, a specific group that that thing falls into but it also is expected to be descriptive in some ways yeah so I think you know it's push and pull we are sort of moving into the 21st century somewhat but because the baseline is exploration and you know all that activity during colonial periods mm-hmm. you know it is not of us to basically describe or put something out in the way that it has to be put out now as we see it and i guess the question is can science really be realistically decolonized I- definitely think so okay i honestly do but it's not going to be something that we do overnight you know i think there's a lot to be said about how much of the scientific message or um how it is that the the outputs of science you know that come to us sometimes you find as a scientist you're sitting there and you're basically analyzing something and 
and your findings kind of are sort of reminiscent to something that you kind of were told when you were a kid. Something that, you know, has, has a, you have it, you're intuitively able to understand something because you can reference back to a thing that you knew as a kid, which speaks to the whole idea of it's not entirely foreign to us as African people. Science is not at all foreign to, to us as, as Africans. And there's a lot of practices that are scientific, but because it's not written in Latin, it's not published, it's not peer-reviewed, it's not recognized as science, stuff that people just do and it's, it's not recognized. Mm. So I think there's a lot of interaction between the people and science. It's just that people see science as this great big scary thing. You know, and really, it really, really isn't, to be honest. Once, not even once you're on the inside, but once you take the time to engage it a little bit and try to understand um, what it's really about. Yeah. No, and I'm thinking about what it is that you do. So I'm mm. very familiar with plants coming oh, from, oh. you know, Guazulu Natal, Ulundi. Yeah, I no. mean, say for instance, Intaba, which is mm. aloe vera or whatever. Yeah. I know there are different types of aloo, so I'll just yeah. say aloo. But inkaba is pretty common in my community, and people use it for yeah. all sorts of medical, scientific, um, yeah. you know, um, purposes. Yeah. So people do mix and do all sorts of things to the plant to get better. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's not a foreign thing for me oh, to see someone not. who has, or to know someone actually, who has in-depth knowledge of the plant world. And normally, that person is actually called Ikeja in my language. And they'll just know stuff about plants. You know? So there is a language um, in my community for... I mean, the fact that I can tell you what that person is called. Yeah. Even. So in English, you'd say that person is a herbalist. But in my language, that person is Ikeja. You know? And they will just know these things. They will just know. And, and every plant has, like, some kind of story... Um, yeah. you know, yeah. so, so it's pretty common, but when you start to think about plants within the sciences, I, I lose focus. I don't know what people are talking about anymore. So for you, what, what does it mean to decolonize science? For me, what it means is to, uh, give access, um, to everybody. Um, that is a key component to decolonizing science. But to me, it's about working within the science realm to be a lot more inclusive, you know. And in the scientific context, or South African context, and outside scientific community, I think that really does mean actually taking people seriously who aren't 50-year-old white males, you know, because there's certain ideas and ideals that I think need to be allowed into the science space for science to grow in a way that we actually forward. And the use of um, language, the use of um, certain, it's not jargon per se, but, it, you know, within the science community, there's a lot of language discussions that are had that are not meant to be inclusive. Mm-hmm. So that is the way in which I decolonize science, have access and allow people to see. Or would see it is it, it's not a foreign thing that you you could never master or understand. It's just a matter of getting involved and pushing forward within the system, I suppose. So that for me would would be step one at least of decolonizing science. What's interesting about this concept of decolonizing is that I mean. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to my community. So when you start to t- speak about decolonizing, uh, a lot of people that I know, especially older, 
They won't know what you're talking about. Yeah, mama ngzoti colonizer. Yeah, ngzoti colonizer. Uh, what, like yin leo, even the language that we that use I'm, to I'm talk about decolonizing good. is is mm-hmm. somewhat colonial. Exclusionary. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exclusionary. Absolutely. Reiterating the point that you make. Yeah, I think we need to, the more people we have in the scientific field, I suppose, mm-hmm. the more it is that we can recreate what the language is. Yeah. And that to me, product of access. Why uh, I specifically mentioned how exclusion be in general and if you open up you know open up the gates and let people in the language starts to change a little bit and the 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 content obviously will then start to evolve you know we can decolonize it in that then and if i'm going to go to umakulu wherever i can then find a way to have a language where i can engage with her without creating you know, five meters between us because I'm speaking of something that's very foreign to her and I can't engage her because I can't say it in a way that she understands it. Absolutely. And what I find interesting, I mean, you said something about you don't need to master the field or something like that. And and so I'm thinking about institutions, you know, educational institutions and how they yeah. give this impression that we become experts mm. through these degrees mm. and we we have this knowledge and then we go back to our communities and, you know, teach, pass yeah. down the knowledge. Yeah. But sometimes yeah. it's the knowledge from the communities that needs to be passed down to us, actually. Exactly. Perfect. Perfect. You know what? I think uh, science is, and I'll be very honest with you, brutally so, science isn't often concerned about teaching. By you, I mean the community or people that, you know, aren't in it. Science Science has a lot to do with what it is that I know, what it is that is new that I can sort of, you know, give to the universe or give to the world. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily then have the added step of, okay, how do I then use this thing that I've given to the world and make the world better, essentially. So I do think um, that element, when talking about institutions and saying you need to be an expert, it's not looking at it the way you're looking at it, Mm -hmm. per se. Mm-hmm. And there needs to be sort of certain people that are engaging the community. And it needs to really be something that you're passionate about, that you're going to push. Because, you know, there's a lot of um, ducking and diving when it comes to how it is that we bring the science to the people mm-hmm. um, in the communities where it needs to help. But a lot of the time there's an arrogance that doesn't allow for scientists to actually learn from the people that they're essentially saying they're trying to help. And there's a lot of, um, there's a word I'm looking for. There's a, there's a lot that we stand to gain, like you said, by allowing ourselves to get taught. And the matter of breaking down those walls or bridging that gap between my scientific arrogance and your indigenous knowledge. And I suppose there are certain disciplines like um medicinal plants and phytochemistry and whatever that do work hand in hand with, you know, Inyanga and uh, people that work, you know, with plants and animals and whatever um, to try and, you know, get a sort of the middle ground, you know, between the research and the practice. And that's a step in the right direction, I suppose, but I still do think there's a lot that can be done to take that indigenous knowledge as the baseline instead of trying to take the science and superimpose it onto the indigenous knowledge. So you are saying that African knowledge can be integrated into scientific research? 
Or are the two mutually exclusive? I mean, when you speak about the indigenous and the scientific, it sounds like these are two different things. Unfortunately, in the science community, that's how it's perceived. It is completely separated because the understanding or the mindset is that I do the nitty-gritty of science. I sit in a lab and I have my pipette and I can tell you, you know, the different... Uh, the chemical composition that mm-hmm. makes it so that the use of the aloe makes your skin look better or the use of hoodie makes you lose weight and blah, blah, blah. And it's often not accepted on the same level. People can come in and educate you mm-hmm. on what it is that the indigenous plants are about or the the use of them which causes a lot of problems because me and my science are now going to want to go to your community without consulting you on your knowledge and how and your systems and sort of try to impose my knowledge in a lot of ways to be with the i'm right i'm the we're both right but i'm the most right because i have a publication that supports what i'm saying it's i don't i personally don't think the two are mutually ex- exclusive. I do think there is um, a general culture, however. You know, I mean, look at the example of Hoodier Tea and how that happened, mm-hmm. you know. There isn't much in terms of consultation that happens between the science and the indigenous knowledge. And yes, it is progressively getting better, but we still have a very long way to go. My question then is, does emphasizing indigenous knowledge systems mean abandoning western no. knowledge systems absolutely not i don't think i don't think it means that at all i think creating a holistic view of the the knowledge systems would be beneficial on both ends i think because i don't necessarily as a practicing science i've never practiced as a herbalist in my life although my sisters have asked but um I've never practiced as a herbalist, so I don't know the, what is involved with that specifically. Mm-hmm. But I do understand on the science end what I, the boxes I need to check mm-hmm. in order to get you know the science going and the research going and get the necessary outputs. But I do feel that a more holistic understanding and view of whatever it is the subject matter is, and by subject matter I mean a specific plant or a specific group of plants or whatever really will help with generating holistic knowledge and knowledge that actually is translatable and transferable between the two spheres or worlds if you will it's very interesting that you speak about two worlds because i'm just thinking in my mind what are these two worlds so does it mean people like me have to occupy two worlds and what are the effects of occupying two worlds I think about, yeah, I think about myself as well as a black woman who has to occupy, you know, spaces that I don't understand. Yeah, Yeah, so you have to split yourself and stuff like that because you know there's this other world that you occupy at home and then you have to switch and be something else. I mean, do you ever experience that as a black woman who is a scientist? I mean, what's it like? Look, every single day is a challenge, I'm not going to lie to you. It is, I mean... I was 26 years old when I started as a professional in the field. So not only am I young, I'm also very black and I'm female. So there's been sort of a consistent, it's not a battle as such, but you you have to sort of occupy the space that, you know, the professional space that you go into. And then you have to sort of try and find a balance between what you know. So like I was explaining to you earlier, what you you knew growing up or what you know from home 
and sort of incorporate that in how it is that you function in your job. But now you're also playing this game of, you know, there's tension because of the fact that you're so young, because of the fact that you're so black, because of the fact that you're female, you know? So it's it's different fights and different sort of hats that you have to keep putting on and taking off. And I will say it's not science community I think it's my experience of it has not been the most welcoming. It is very, it's frustrating, it's daunting, it's tiring, it's very, very tiring, but it's something that happens in G um, consistently and until it, I, as I keep stressing the access issue, until there are more of us in the community, I don't think there's very much chance of that, you know, dwindling to nothing in, uh, anytime soon. I can definitely relate, even though I'm not in the sciences, I know what it is that you're talking about and, and that idea of having to be different people at different times because of the different worlds that you you occupy so for you i mean how can um indigenous knowledge systems be incorporated into this western i don't know what to call it this world that you 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 occupy i mean is there a way in which the two can be reconciled you know i have my and this is a a personal opinion i have my um reservations about the incorporation of the two systems entirely and my reservations aren't on the end of indigenous knowledge coming in and tainting science it's the other way around because historically the impact that scientific research or scientific exploration has had on indigenous knowledge indigenous lives indigenous has been very very negative and i do think that the problem that would sort of health in the two systems working as one is the communication. Oftentimes you find that there's research to be done in communities, speaking to, you know, herbalists and people who practice, you know, who are resistant to communicating. And for the most part, it is based on, you know, historically what they understand scientists do and they ruin everything. But sometimes it is a measure of what it is that you're doing. Because um, every, everything now needs, you need a permit, you need certain need to practice um, if you're a registered herbalist or whatever you need to practice in a specific way and the resistance comes in when you haven't registered yourself you don't have the permits you don't have ATC so I think would see um, the communication elements could help to get everyone to work together but I really do think that the science community that could do more to sort of engage the knowledge in a way that is, you're not coming across, I, you know, with the arrogance of, you know, I do the science, hence that, therefore, I must know better, you know, um, an element of trying to uh, attain the knowledge from uh, the indigenous practitioners, but also creating it on level ground, you know, so it, there isn't that discrepancy or powerful almost, where it's, you know, basically people working together and engaging um, what needs to be sorted out as opposed to dealing with personalities and uh, clashes such as those. That, in my opinion, is how I would move forward with it. Sounds like it's really hard to to avoid that imposition of superiority uh, exactly. over 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 the indigenous. Uh, thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because you know when you think about colonialism, I mean it, mm. it, the way it deals with difference, it, yeah. it it doesn't just say, oh, this is different. It says this is different and it's inferior. Oh, exactly. 
Exactly. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That that is a perfect depiction of what what it is that I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah. So I I think that's why you when you had asked if the two are mutually exclusive, it was very it was a lot happening in my head. She said that because from my understanding, my understanding is obviously leaning more towards the structured scientific side. And what I mean is that you know, um, priority complex of I, I know better, you know, and I'm trying to help you, which to me is the thing that really is the downfall of um, scientists and uh, scientists and inverted commas, scientists and uh, practitioners working together to, you know, and moving forward actually. I really thought that this conversation was going to be difficult just simply because I am in a different world. I'm in the arts. You are in science. We both black women occupying spaces in these different worlds. And I thought like, oh, okay, no, you're going to talk about things that I don't understand. But actually, your experiences are quite similar to mine. And I think, wouldn't that be in itself a part of decolonizing science? There's nothing different about my world versus yours. Um, everything that you as a young black woman are faced with on a daily basis, for the most part, I will have to deal with in my professional space. You know, that, that becomes an element of decolonizing the, the space, sort of increasing in terms of access, because now you have access to my world by understanding or relating to certain factors, mm-hmm. you know, that I deal with every day. So it's not it's not so foreign to you anymore. And I think if that's what we've achieved here, then that's a very positive thing. Yeah. And as you were saying, you know, that we need to see more of us in the sciences, right? Yeah. I think sometimes people are resist- resistant to science because of the face of science so does the face of science actually go to these communities yeah across the board going to indigenous communities and i come from an indigenous community and i don't even know what that means when i say indigenous community you know what i'm saying i feel like it's such problematic language because i don't think people in ulundi yeah are sitting there thinking oh hi we are indigenous It's so weird. Very careful. Yeah, very careful with terms like that because, you know, indigenous by definition, I'm going to make a mess of this, is something that naturally occurs in a specific place and isn't because the opposite of indigenous is is alien, Mm. right? We're talking about plants plant species Mm. so you have something that's indigenous which is naturally from here and then you have something alien which is something that comes from somewhere else doesn't naturally occur here Mm. but is from here so that language is also tricky from jump Um, but i think the indigenous knowledge which is also a little bit messy is the, the the most important factor i think in this conversation as opposed to indigenous communities which i'm, I'm not sure about that <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not even sure about indigenous knowledge i'm not sure i'm not sure what that means because i really don't think that people sit and think about how indigenous their knowledge is do you yeah. know what i'm saying it's the yeah. language so i feel like it's the language of the faith of science yeah, it's not just science because it's not the first time I come across indigenous knowledge systems. Because I don't know, I don't know Zulu when you start talking about indigenous, you just talk about Abandu. Abandu or Uluazi. Uluazi is knowing and knowledge. Yeah. There is no adjective that you need to. Yeah. No, yeah. knowledge is knowledge. Uluazi, Uluazi. But um, if I could go back to something that she said about the face of science, what scares me is that. 
that is common knowledge. Everyone knows what you mean when you say that. Yeah. You know? And I think the process of changing what it looks like needs for us to do the thing of engaging with the subject, right? Because with that face comes all of the problems, like we're talking about the English, you know, engaging people in a slum or, or not taking responsibility for the language we use, which then excludes people that should essentially be included in um, all these conversations, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that face that you speak of is the face of many disciplines, unfortunately, still. Mm -hmm. And the process of, you know, the mentoring programs that I'll have or engaging with, you know, school students and, you know, um, varsity students, um, for me, is like the little drop in the water that I can be like, look, it looks, science doesn't look like anything, but if you need it to, it can look just like you. And for me, I think that is better than having a, I don't know, seeing something that looks like you do a thing that you think is impossible. It changes your mindset. And I think the more vocal we are, the more out there we are, the more, you know, we do the, the, the mentoring, and the roadshows and whatever, things like that, the more it is that we can start to change that face of science. And in my mind, it's the thing that we can control right now in the process of, you know, changing the space and decolonizing this whole entire mess. And just, I mean, science is fun. Science is great. I, I love what I do. Mm -hmm. And I think, Ruti, if a girl from Soweto can be this into science and, you know, engaging it on different levels, then there's, there's definitely very many other people who essentially or hopefully... Will, will be like me or similar. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you said so many beautiful things there and oh. I'm excited. I just think about how I had this dream myself of wanting uh -huh. to be a scientist when I was in, in I think, grade eight, grade nine, you yeah. know, but you learn very quickly that it's impossible. Not Scientist. Not. Yeah, because you look around. I mean, look at that, that cartoon, Dexter, you know. And then, you remember Dexter? <laughs> there's Dexter, and he's, he's so scientific. And then there's yeah. Didi, who ruins everything. Didi is, is I mean, of course, it's like yeah. women and science. Women are a problem. Yeah, they're a problem. They go into the lab, and they just break everything. So, <laughs> it's a very silly example but it's yeah. very telling but i it, mean it drives, the point. it drives the point home right that we mm. grew up with these images and these are white cartoons as well so i don't yeah, remember seeing a black yeah. cartoon that was a, a scientist oh. so it's what you I said mean, about the thing that looks like you doing the impossible absolutely we need yeah. that absolutely so I, i'm very excited to speak to people like you because it just reminds me, Uguti, ah, black women are just too cool, man. And I get yeah. I get excited. What? Scientist, what? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, I think this is a beautiful note to end our conversation on. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you for pursuing your dreams. Thank you so much for that. I need it. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you for those very kind words. And thank you so much for... For having me do you have any last message to you know young women that look like you that are thinking this is impossible um listen for me and i speak from experience from early on there's always going to be people that tell you you cannot or you will not still be very sure i think that um young black women need to 
understand that, you know, really there's nothing under the sun you cannot do. And if you have a plan and you have a dream and you have a thing that you want to pursue, no matter how strange it is, no matter how many people tell you that, you know, we don't do that or it's impossible or whatever, just do the thing that, that makes you feel most fulfilled and follow the path that you know is for you. And I promise you, it'll be worth it. Anything you want to do, anything you can picture yourself doing and, you know, motivate yourself or mobilize yourself towards that makes you feel like this is what you need to be doing, absolutely go for it, no matter what it is that people will tell you. And they will tell you. Sorry. Thank you so much. Science can definitely be decolonized and we can start by acknowledging that we have our um, indigenous continental education and science um, systems that have informed some of the greatest inventions that this earth has ever known and we need to get those um, those those teachings into our um, our curriculum whether it is at primary school uh, high school as well as tertiary as well as um, colleges where we train our teachers who in turn of course teach our children The Academic Citizen is a podcast sponsored by ASAU, the Academic Staff Association of Wits University. ASAU is the union representing the interests of academic staff at Wits. For more information, visit www.asau.org.za. The Academic Citizen aims to be a platform for a diversity of views and opinions. We welcome your feedback, comments, and suggestions for future guests and shows. Email us at theacademiccitizen at gmail.com or leave a comment at www.theacademiccitizen.org. Research, scheduling, editing, and production was done by me, Simba Rashe Wondem. 